0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. The White House told House Republicans to resubmit a request for oversight. Some House Republicans are now accusing the White House of obstructing oversight. Andrew Tate was arrested in Romania yesterday. Police are accusing the divisive social media figure of human trafficking and other crimes. A House report calls into question the FDA's approval process for a high-priced Alzheimer's drug, calling it, quote, rife with irregularities. A concerning new study on COVID vaccines. Are those booster shots all they're cracked up to be? We'll take a look. Cars are lining up at funeral homes across major cities in China as COVID-19 infection rates continue to soar. We spoke with workers in local funeral homes to find out more. Former President Donald Trump's redacted tax returns have been made public today. The documents were released by the House Ways and Means Committee. The Democratic-controlled committee obtained the returns last month as part of an investigation into Trump's taxes. That was after a lengthy court battle that ended with the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in the committee's favor. The released files covered Trump's tax returns filed between 2015 and 2021, the years he ran for and served as president. In a campaign video last Friday, Trump called the release an outrageous abuse of power and completely unconstitutional. President Biden on Thursday signed the $1.7 trillion spending bill. It will keep the federal government operating through the end of the federal budget year in September 2023. The bill provides tens of billions of dollars in new aid to Ukraine and record military funding. Biden had until tonight to sign the bill to avoid a partial government shutdown. The 4,000-plus page bill passed the Senate on a bipartisan vote of 68 to 29 with the support of 18 out of 50 Senate Republicans. Biden hailed the passage as proof that Republicans and Democrats can work together, after all. But on the other side of the aisle, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy called the bill a monstrosity. House Republicans are accusing the White House of obstructing legitimate oversight after being asked to resubmit an oversight request. The White House says that decision was made in good faith.
1: House Republicans recently submitted oversight requests to the White House. While it is unclear what the requests pertain to, House GOP members have pledged to investigate the government's handling of problems at school board meetings, the origins of COVID-19, the Biden family's foreign business dealings, and more. On Thursday morning, the White House reportedly responded, saying the requests have to be resubmitted. Politico obtained two letters showing that White House Special Counsel Richard Sauber says the incoming congressmen won't have the constitutional authority to make such requests until they assume their leadership positions on January 3rd, when Republicans are set to take over the House. Sauber says that decision was made in good faith. However, the House Judiciary Committee responded to Politico's report by noting that it had only just received the White House letter that morning at around 4.30 a.m., That was less than a half hour before the story was published, which they say indicates that the White House had likely briefed Politico on the story prior to sending the letter. The House Judiciary Committee tweeted, Last night, the White House leaks this ridiculous story to Politico and Heidi reports. Then the White House briefs Politico on the story. At 4.34 a.m. this morning, the White House sends us the letter. Only after publication does Politico ask us for comment. Good faith. They allege that this was a planned effort between the White House and Politico to obstruct constitutional oversight, and that Democrats employed similar tactics in 2018. The Judiciary Committee tweeted, Notice how favorable Politico's story was to Democrats in 2018, when they did the exact same thing as us. Democrats were made out to be heroes. NTD reached out to the White House for comment, but didn't hear back before broadcast.
0: Controversial social media personality Andrew Tate has been detained in Romania. Police suspect him of rape and human trafficking following a raid of his luxury home in Bucharest. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story.
2: Police arrested the 36-year-old former professional kickboxer alongside his brother Tristan. The brothers have been under investigation since April alongside two Romanian nationals. Prosecutors allege that the brothers are suspects in an organized crime ring that sexually exploited women. They assert that the crime ring was based between Romania, the United Kingdom and the United States. The official press release did not specifically name the Tate brothers. Lawyers for the two brothers confirmed that they had been detained by Romanian police, but did not provide further details. A spokesperson for Tate says the brothers have the utmost respect for the Romanian authorities and will always assist and help in any way they can. Tate shot to fame after appearing on the U.K. television show Big Brother in 2016. He later started a paid video subscription program, Hustler University, billed as an exclusive community teaching students how to make money online. A day prior to his arrest, Tate wrote climate activist Greta Thunberg on Twitter, bragging about his 33 cars and their emissions. According to several reports, the pizza box in the video he sent to Thunberg helped cops narrow in on Tate's location. On that note, Thunberg tweeted, this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: A House investigation found the FDA's approval process of a high-priced Alzheimer's drug was, quote, rife with irregularities. The report, released Thursday, is the result of an 18-month investigation by two House committees. It's sharply critical of Biogen, which makes the medication adjuhelm. The report says Biogen set a, quote, unjustifiably high price for adjuhelm. The committees found the collaboration between the FDA and Biogen in the approval process exceeded the norm in some respects, including not completely documenting how often FDA reps met with the company. The report said the FDA also approved the drug for people with Alzheimer's disease, which is a far broader population than was studied in the clinical trials. The FDA says it's reviewing the findings and recommendations and says its own review found the interactions with Biogen were appropriate. It said it's already started implementing changes in line with the committee's recommendations. Can a third dose of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines actually worsen immune response against COVID-19? A new peer-reviewed study published in Science Immunology last week is raising concern. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story.
2: The study by German researchers determined that mRNA boosting created a high level of what are known as IgG4 antibodies. Those are a subclass of antibodies which cause a weaker immune response. This is the latest research to evoke scrutiny of federal vaccine recommendations and continuing vaccine mandates. Mandatory vaccination is still in effect for certain professions, as well as in education especially for college students. Students are a demographic with lower COVID risks, but heightened risks of heart inflammation. Dr. Robert Malone addresses COVID vaccines. The genetic COVID-19 genetic injections cause far more harm than good and provide zero benefit relative to risk for the young and healthy. The CDC is still recommending that everyone six months and older get a full series and booster of the original COVID-19 strain vaccine. They also recommend a bivalent booster on top of that, which combines the original strain and the Omicron strain. This is regardless of one's age and health-based COVID risk level or likelihood of adverse reactions. The data now show that these experimental gene therapy treatments can damage your children as well as yourself. They can damage your heart, your brain, your reproductive tissue, and your lungs. Malone added that this can include permanent damage to your immune system. The IgG4 antibody subclass is associated with increased COVID-related mortality. That is according to Italian researchers who published in the European Journal of Internal Medicine last year. IGG4 study co author Killian Schober cautioned against the view that mRNA vaccines are inducing tolerance to infection rather than fighting it. He says that further studies are needed. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: The Justice Department is suing pharmaceutical distributor Amerisource Bergen Corporation and two subsidiaries. The DOJ is accusing them of mishandling opioid medications. In a Thursday release, the DOJ said the companies failed to report hundreds of thousands of suspicious orders of prescription opioids from pharmacies nationwide. The DOJ says in two cases, the company knew the drugs were likely being sold in parking lots for cash. In another instance, the company was warned that addicted patients were getting opioids, including some people who later overdosed and died. In response, Amerisource Bergen said the DOJ complaint cherry-picked information from the thousands of pharmacies supplied by the company. The drug maker also made an accusation against the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA. They said the DEA is not penalizing suspicious pharmacies until after private companies pulled their contracts, and that DEA inaction forced private companies to perform the job of law enforcement. If found liable, Amerisaurus Bergen could face billions of dollars in financial penalties. At least 40 have died in western New York after storms ravaged much of the nation last week. An Erie County official said a storm briefing that some victims had yet to be identified.
2: Uh, unfortunately, there are families
3: in this community uh, who still have not been able to identify where a loved one is. We've been dealing with much, uh, including the unfolding issues associated with the deaths, the identification of bodies, individuals who have not yet been identified, and new deaths that are coming in that are just absolutely heartbreaking.
0: Erie County Executive Mark Polankars apologized for publicly criticizing Buffalo's snow removal as too slow. He said the current focus is on recovery and on helping community members who lost their loved ones. Mayor Byron Brown called off the city's driving ban on Thursday. Authorities continue to search for people who are trapped or who may have died. The National Guard is going door-to-door to to check on those who've lost power. Meanwhile, rain is expected later in the week as snow melts and temperatures approaching or topping 50 degrees. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said the state is ready to deploy nearly 800,000 sandbags and more than 300 pumps and generators if necessary to deal with any floods. Dozens of transportation workers in Ohio will spend New Year's weekend in New York on a snow removal mission. On Thursday, Governor Mike DeWine dispatched 28 Department of Transportation workers to western New York along with 12 tandem dump trucks, two utility mechanic trucks, and four crew cab pickup trucks. The teams and equipment will help with emergency snow removal following the deadly winter storm. The crews are scheduled to return to Ohio on January 3rd. New Jersey and Pennsylvania have already sent workers and equipment to Buffalo to help with recovery efforts. The Buffalo Bills Foundation and two other organizations are donating a total of $300,000 for blizzard relief in western New York. The Bills Foundation ponied up $100,000. Then the NFL Foundation and Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of western New York agreed to match it. Part of the money will go to immediate storm relief efforts. The rest will be earmarked for community needs in the coming months. Meanwhile, the NHL's Buffalo Sabres announced Thursday that its foundation will donate $50,000 to aid in blizzard relief. The funds will go to the Buffalo City Mission, the Salvation Army, and three more local nonprofits. A man in New York State is being hailed as a hero after breaking into a school to shelter nearly a dozen people from the massive Christmas blizzard. It happened in Erie County last Friday. Jay Wythe ended up stranded in his vehicle while driving to help a friend who was trapped in the storm. He went to several houses begging for help, but was turned away. Over the course of the night, he took a man and an elderly woman into his car to keep warm. His truck eventually ran out of gas, and that's when Whitey located a nearby school and broke in. He then ventured back out and found several older people who needed help. He led them into the school and even found food and mats to sleep on. Police say they want to find the man to thank him for saving lives. And coming up, what are some of the most historic and high-profile cases cracked by U.S. law enforcement in 2022? We took a look at five. And the Bahamas Securities Commission has seized $3.5 billion of FTX assets. The watchdog says it's holding the funds on a temporary basis. More in just a moment, here on NTD News Today. 2022 witnessed major breakthroughs in dozens of unsolved cases in the U.S., some of which have dragged on for decades. A Fox News report highlights the top five cold cases cracked this year. In one of the nation's oldest missing persons cases, Melissa Highsmith was finally reunited with her family. In 1971, at the age of only 21 months, Highsmith was abducted from her home in Fort Worth, Texas, by a woman who advertised herself as a babysitter. The family didn't see her for half a century until DNA testing in November successfully tracked down their loved one. The remains of the boy-in-a-box found 65 years ago were identified this month. In February 1957, the body of Joseph Augustus Zarelli was found in a wooded area of Philadelphia. The four-year-old boy was confirmed to have been beaten to death, then wrapped in a blanket and abandoned. Philadelphia Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw said Joseph had experienced horrors that no one should ever be subjected to. Police are still trying to determine who killed the boy and why. Richard Cottingham, nicknamed the Torso Killer, has pled guilty to the murders of five women in the 1960s in Long Island, New York. Also known as the Times Square Killer, Cottingham says he has killed many as 100 people in New Jersey and New York State. He is now facing a lifetime in prison. Another murderer of a teen pled guilty this October. 62-year-old Raymond Moody went on trial in Georgetown, South Carolina. He admitted to the kidnapping, rape, and murder of teenage girl Brittany Drexel. In 2009, Drexel traveled from New York State to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for spring break. The 17-year-old's body was found in May of this year. Investigators determined that she was strangled to death. And the identity of Little Miss Nobody came to light after six decades thanks to advances in DNA technology. The girl was confirmed as four-year-old Sharon Lee Gallegos of New Mexico. She was abducted in 1960 and her body found in a desert in Arizona. At the time of her kidnapping, Sharon was playing with her cousins behind her grandmother's house in New Mexico. Her death was later ruled a homicide, but the cause of death was not determined. The Securities Commission of the Bahamas said on Thursday that it is holding $3.5 billion worth of FTX assets. The figure is based on market pricing at the time of transfer on a temporary basis to deliver them to customers and creditors who own them. The commission oversaw the transfer of FTX's Bahamas Units digital assets to digital wallets in November. This was following the dissolution of the company and its hedge fund, Alameda Research, as well as dozens of affiliates who filed for U.S. bankruptcy. According to an affidavit filed by the commission's executive director, all transferred assets were and remain under the sole control of the commission. Bahamian authorities recently appointed liquidators to wind down FTX's international trading business soon after the company announced bankruptcy. Google is set to face a class-action lawsuit. It accuses the tech giant of collecting information and tracking children's behavior online without consent. The lawsuit was originally filed in 2019 against Google, YouTube, Cartoon Network, Hasbro, DreamWorks, Animation, and Mattel. The lawsuit was able to move forward recently after a lower court dismissed it last year. The companies are blamed for running targeted ads to children based on Google's persistent identifiers. These identifiers refer to unique IMEI numbers of a device or the IP address. They allow Google to track the behavior of a user over as much as 80% of the Internet. And from there, Google can create profiles used in targeting advertising. By tracking the online behavior of children without parental consent, Google and other firms are accused of violating the Federal Children's Online Privacy Protection Act and similar state laws. And Google has reached a $20 million settlement with the state of Indiana. This is over the big tech giant's alleged deceptive location tracking practices. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita released a statement this week. He said that the latest settlement reflects the state's commitment to protecting Indiana residents from Big Tech's intrusive schemes. The settlement came about after Rokita filed a separate, independent lawsuit when negotiations between Google and a coalition of state attorneys general stalled. As a result, Indiana received roughly twice as much money as it would have received in the other lawsuit. Multiple U.S. states opened investigation into Google's location tracking practices after an exclusive report from the Associated Press in 2018. The report took issue with two Google account settings, location history and web and app activity. Both lawsuits say Google has been falsely leading users to believe that changing their privacy settings could stop the company from tracking their location. And just ahead, a Chinese fighter jet came within 20 feet of a U.S. Air Force plane over the South China Sea, forcing it to take evasive action to avoid a collision. And of China's COVID-19 deaths, an unusual number are elites with close ties to the Chinese Communist Party. An expert sheds light on the reason behind the phenomena. We'll have the details soon when we return. Welcome back. Within 20 feet, a Chinese fighter jet flew dangerously close to a U.S. Air Force plane over the South China Sea, forcing it to take evasive action to avoid a collision. Video of this close encounter captured the view from inside the U.S. aircraft. Footage shows the Chinese jet flying in front of the U.S. plane and keeping close proximity. The U.S. aircraft later descended to avoid a crash. According to CNN, there were about 30 people on board the U.S. plane at the time, The U.S. Indo-Pacific Command says the U.S. aircraft was legally conducting routine operations over the South China Sea in international airspace. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said in June that the Chinese regime is taking a more aggressive approach to its territorial claims, adding there's been an alarming increase in unsafe aerial interceptions and confrontations at sea by the People's Liberation Army. In China, COVID-19 infections are surging, and here in the U.S., the CDC is considering new tactics to track any emerging new variants, but not without difficulty. The agency is struggling with China's lack of transparency around COVID. It's considering sampling wastewater from international aircraft as one of its options. Infectious disease experts say when it comes to tracking the virus and slowing its entry into the U.S., this policy would be a better solution than the new travel restrictions announced this week. The U.S. says it will require mandatory negative COVID tests for travelers from China starting January 5th. French researchers reported in July that requiring negative COVID tests before international flights does not necessarily protect countries from the spread. Back in 2021, for instance, they found the Omicron variant in wastewater from two commercial planes that flew from Ethiopia to France, and that was even though passengers were also required to take a test before boarding. One researcher cautioned about expecting wastewater data to make a difference in the ability to respond. He pointed out that while wastewater sampling could be helpful, the testing takes time. China has reopened its borders, but with all sorts of restrictions. These include forced quarantine of inbound travelers. A video shows Chinese citizens returning from abroad clashing with police over such regulations. Footage shows returnees swarming an international airport in Guangzhou, southern China, trying to push open the airport gate. According to posts shared on Chinese social media platforms, the dispute erupted over the enforcement of on-arrival quarantine procedures. The rules require returnees to spend five days in a designated quarantine facility and then another three days at their personal residence. China has promised to lift such restrictions on January 8th, but one post says returnees, including students and tourists, wanted to avoid quarantines before then. China's sweeping COVID-19 outbreak is becoming more serious. The nation's biggest cities like Beijing and Shanghai were first to feel the impacts, Now, other major cities are starting to see long lines of waiting cars outside funeral homes, some of them even lining up the night before to get services. Let's take a closer look.
4: A video shared online captures the scene outside a funeral home in the central Chinese city of Nanjing. On Wednesday, private cars lined up outside the building, all of them transporting human remains. A worker at the funeral home told us on Thursday that wait times for hears transportation are indefinite.
5: If you make an appointment today, you won't get a hearse today for sure. You have to wait for
4: the hearse driver to contact you. There's no way to give you a specific time now. The worker added that even when the customer transports the remains with their personal car, they still must wait in line outside the funeral home and that no farewell ceremony is possible for the deceased person. Another similar clip comes from the eastern China's Nanchan City, filmed at 2 a.m. on Tuesday. It, too, shows a long waiting line outside a funeral home. A voice heard in the video says more than 80 cars were already waiting for services.
1: First, make an appointment and then line up. First, pull the body over and line up. We start working at 5 a.m. You must line up the night before.
4: Northern China, Xi'an City, the Xi'an Funeral Parlor says it's operating at full capacity all day long, but still cannot meet demand. Before the pandemic, the parlor only needed to operate for half the day. This, according to Chinese media. One resident told us that over the last few days, the situation has gotten worse locally, with infection rates rising and locals reporting fewer symptoms. He blames the issue on a lack of state preparation. To protect his identity, we distorted his voice.
1: I couldn't sleep last night. I was furious because the country opened up without preparing well beforehand. We have nothing now, no medicine, and the regime is still praising itself all day long. It says it's a great victory in the fight against the pandemic. So shameless. Through this pandemic, the Communist Party has completely lost the trust of the people.
4: We'll keep you updated on new developments.
0: Officials, experts, and public figures have been dying in unusual numbers amid the COVID-19 outbreak in China, many of them closely aligned with the Chinese Communist Party. Why didn't their privileges and resources known to come with CCP affiliation shield them from the disease? We get the inside scoop from an expert. Weeks
6: of obituaries have been hitting China's media. Over the weekend, another high-ranking CCP official died amid the latest virus wave. Li Ziliu, the former mayor of China's Southern Economic Hub, Guangzhou. He was among at least 50 CCP officials who have passed away since the start of December. The list also includes 45 prominent scholars and professors. Almost none of their obituaries listed cause of death. Inside China, it's widely understood that those closely aligned with the Chinese regime enjoy certain privileges. So why are people who typically have greater access to resources and other aid getting caught up in the COVID-19 turmoil?
2: It's that these people are overprivileged, and for a long time, they're in a hospital, like a nursing home, and they're given special treatment, and so the privileges that they get end up killing them.
6: That's with the infection ripping through China's vast population. 1.4 billion people are finding themselves ill-prepared for the sudden surge, the public, with a lack of natural immunity to weather the outbreak after nearly three years of COVID-19 restrictions and the upper echelon of the CCP, who've largely shielded themselves from the pandemic over the past few years. Suddenly, both groups may now be more vulnerable to the latest infection wave. Beyond that, a source has said that hospitals in Beijing are suspected as the origin of this virus wave. According to Radio Free Asia, a CCP insider disclosed that the outbreak has been spreading in major hospitals in Beijing since October, but authorities have concealed the news. The insider said the cover-up also led directly to the deaths of a large number of retired senior CCP officials that were hospitalized there. On the other hand, China affairs analyst Hung He says many CCP officials and prominent figures have received organ transplants to extend their lives. What's more, a military hospital in Beijing has touted a so-called health project for CCP leaders, with a goal of extending their lifespans to up to 150 years.
2: HIGH RANKING CCP OFFICIALS OR INTEREST GROUPS WITHIN THE SYSTEM HAVE A PARTICULARLY LONG LIFESPAN. IT RELIES HEAVILY ON REPLACING THEIR ORGANS WITH THOSE FROM YOUNG PEOPLE. MANY DEATHS IN THE ELDERLY ARE CAUSED BY ORGAN FAILURE. BUT THEN THEY BECOME VERY FRAGILE AND NEED TO BE CAREFULLY PROTECTED. SO THE VIRUS IS PARTICULARLY DANGEROUS TO THEM.
6: The COVID-19 devastation has continued to unfold in China, despite Beijing's assurance on Tuesday that it's fighting a prepared battle.
0: Indonesia is approving a new criminal code, one that features a special provision to ban communist and Marxist-Leninist propaganda. Experts are calling it part of a global trend to reject the Chinese communist regime. The provision was passed on December 6th, Under it, those found to have spread communism and Marxism-Leninism can face jail terms from 4 to 15 years. At the lesser end of that range, a 4-year maximum sentence is set for those who distribute or promote communism orally or in writing or media. That penalty jumps to 7 years if those acts cause social disturbances or property damage. If they lead to personal injury or death, those found guilty face the full 12 to 15 years. Current affairs commentator Qin Peng explains that most nations are unwilling to directly and openly confront the Chinese Communist Party. That's for fear of economic or security concerns. But he adds that more are guarding against Beijing's influence. Indonesia strictly prohibits the sickle, hammer, red flag, and other imagery that symbolize communism. Malaysia, another Southeast Asian nation, also bans the promotion of communism. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, China and Russia are expected to further expand their cooperation. Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping will visit Russia early next year. And a wanted Afghan army general and a sniper were arrested in Serbia in a makeshift camp. That and more shortly here on NTD News Today. Come next spring, Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping will make a state visit to Russia. The two countries are expected to expand their cooperation. Russian President Vladimir Putin said today that he expects Xi to visit in spring 2023. It would be a public show of solidarity from China amid Russia's war in Ukraine. Putin said the visit would demonstrate to the world the closeness of Russian-Chinese relations. He also said he aims to deepen military cooperation between the two countries. The two leaders held a video conference today. In it, Putin called Xi dear Mr. Chairman and dear friend. Meanwhile, Xi said he was ready to increase strategic cooperation with Russia. The two countries currently have what is called a no-limits partnership. Time does not heal. Those are words from Dr. Nelia Kiernis. After hearing the sound of breaking glass in her hospital near Kiev, she immediately recalled the previous Russian attack she survived in February.
7: Russian rockets rained down on Kyiv on Thursday, the blasts shattering windows at this psychiatric hospital. No patients or staff were harmed, but for Dr. Nelia Kiernes, the attack was traumatic. She lost her home to an airstrike last February. Time does not heal. All this flashed in my soul, in my thoughts. All this was recalled. I would not wish this on anyone. It is very hard to experience, to endure. SHE CARRIES MENTAL AND PHYSICAL SCARS FROM THE ATTACK IN THE EARLY DAYS OF THE WAR. AND THE HOUSE WAS DAMAGED, AND I WAS WOUNDED BY SHARDS. UNFORTUNATELY, THE FLAT BURNED DOWN, THE HOUSE BURNED DOWN, EVERYTHING IN THE FLAT. I, MIRACULOUSLY, THANK GOD, SURVIVED. THURSDAY'S BOMBARDMENT WAS FIERCE, EVEN BY THE STANDARDS OF THIS CONFLICT THAT HAS SEEN RUSSIAN FORCES PUMMEL UKRAINIAN CITIES. And I saw two smoke trails over there, first one trail and then the other. I'm assuming one missile flew and then the second, or two missiles, or two anti-missiles. You see the shrapnel cut the branch.
8: Around 150 personnel and
7: 468 patients were there at the time and remained indoors. Cyberblad said, thankfully, the psychiatric patients didn't panic. Russia denies deliberately targeting civilians. Ukraine's military said it had shot down 54 missiles out of 69 launched by Russia in the latest volley.
0: Serbian police have arrested an Afghan army general and a sniper wanted by France on terrorism charges. The apprehension occurred during a raid on a migrant camp. 109 illegal immigrants were found at the makeshift camp. The police said 29 of them were, quote, interesting security-wise. The police added that the two men were wanted on international warrants for multiple criminal acts. There were no details of the suspected crimes or why the men were wanted by France. Police also seized an automatic rifle, ammunition and a small quantity of marijuana at the site. Last month, Serbian police uncovered 600 illegal immigrants near its northern border with Hungary. The Western Balkans route via Turkey, Bulgaria, North Macedonia and Serbia is the main path for illegal immigrants into the European Union. In the UK, strikes continue to sweep across the country. The new General Secretary of the Trades Union Congress, or TUC, is challenging the government and employers to work with unions to resolve the issue. The one
3: thing I can absolutely tell you is that no union member wants to take strike action takes that strike action uh, lightly, but the government really does need to step up to the plate now, talk to unions, talk to their own workforce, put money in the pockets of working people, and stop stonewalling.
0: Paul Novak takes over the job amid the biggest outbreak of industrial unrest in a generation. Leaders of the health, rail, civil service, teaching, and postal unions are increasingly angry at what they see as a lack of involvement from ministers. Novak said he will make it a priority to meet Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to try to help resolve the disputes. He warned that workers were facing two decades of lost pay unless the country changes course. To mark Novak's appointment, the TUC published a new analysis it said showed that workers have lost 20,000 pounds on average in real wages since 2008. It said this was the longest real wage squeeze in modern history. Staying in the UK, police are urging New Year partygoers to report spiking as quickly as possible. This is after almost 5,000 cases were reported over the past year. Spiking is when someone puts drugs or alcohol into a person's drink or body without their consent. The National Police Chiefs Council, or NPCC, said among 800 tests carried out so far, the most common drugs detected were cocaine, ketamine and MDMA. However, only 3% of cases were found to contain a controlled drug which supports a spiking incident. Over half of the reports were spiked by needle, and over 2,000 were the spiking of drinks. The NPCC said police have increased action against spiking through measures such as undercover detectives in bars. Over in Colombia, a major drug bust, the Colombian Navy intercepted two submarines carrying five tons of cocaine on Wednesday. This was the largest cocaine seizure in Colombia of the past year. According to Colombian authorities, the two semi-submersible vessels carried cocaine hydrochloride valued at more than $150 million. The vessels were in the Pacific Ocean headed to Central America. The drugs are believed to belong to a group with ties to a Mexican cartel. Authorities arrested a total of seven people on board the vessels. This year, Colombian authorities have seized 156 tons of cocaine. Still to come, Sydney prepares to be one of the first cities to kick off New Year's Eve. The festivities will feature music paying homage to indigenous culture and, of course, fireworks. Bunnies are making a trendy New Year's gift in Russia as 2023 marks the year of the rabbit in the Chinese horoscope. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. In tennis, Greece and the USA seal victories in the first year of the United Cup in Australia. They beat Bulgaria and the Czech Republic. The new tournament kicks off the 2023 tennis season. In Sydney, Francis Tiafo secured victory for United States against the Czech Republic when Thomas Matac left after suffering an ankle injury. The American was leading in the 90th minute when Matac damaged his ankle and retired after meeting with the team doctor. The USA's lead was halved when Petra Kivota saved seven set points in the opening set to defeat world number three Jessica Pagula. In Perth, Greece took an unassailable lead over Bulgaria when Maria Sakari beat Victoria Tomova in just under an hour and a half. This is the first ever United Cup competition. It's an 11-day tournament that extends into January with matches this year in the Australian cities of Sydney, Perth and Brisbane. 18 teams are competing. The top six seeds belong to Greece, Poland, the United States, Spain, Italy and France. Sydney is preparing to be one of the first cities to kick off New Year's Eve celebrations. Preparations have been underway for months and will focus on ancestral traditions. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the upcoming festivities.
3: After three years of festivities canceled and restricted by lockdowns, the party is on. We really
8: do think that everybody deserves to have a really special celebration this year after everything that we've been through. So this year we've increased a little bit. We've added
3: four new rooftops as firing positions for the fireworks display. This year, the 9 p.m. and midnight events will focus on a traditional indigenous culture. Carmen Glyn Braun and Dennis Golding from the Rewrite Collective are the featured artists. Their eight-minute projected display will pay respect to Aboriginal women. have
2: taken our own concept of highlighting sky, water and land as a core theme for the storytelling to be shared on New Year's for um, the audience
3: to really get an understanding of how Aboriginal people are connected to the land. The 9pm event will be accompanied by a mixed track with recordings of animals and water from Sydney, as well as Indigenous lyrics. It's very much about generational storytelling and them understanding that their stories are p- important now, and um, that they're, they're going to be someone else's ancestors and very soon. The 9pm fireworks will be a colourful and spectacular display. Um, you know, there's 13 th- over 13,000 aerial fireworks, uh, there's 35 uh, ground ba- 35,000 ground-based effects. Um, we, we have a crew of 50 that will work over a 10-day period, uh, setting up all the locations, For the midnight event, DJ Stace Cadet and KLP will perform. Working in tandem with the music, some 2,000 shells will be propelled from the sails of the Opera House, and 7,000 fireworks will light up the Harbor Bridge. Four city rooftops will also be used to frame the city skyline with more pyrotechnics. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Hurling flour and eggs, dozens of revelers known as Els Inferinats took over a small Spanish town. This is part of a 200-year-old festival marking Holy Innocence Day every December 28th. The participants dressed in assorted military garb and wore sashes. They staged a mock, messy coup in the town of Ibi. The town has a population of just over 23,000. The participants used about 10,000 eggs and 1,300 pounds of flour in the fighting. Under a cloud of flour and exploding fireworks, two sides battle each other as they take over the local government and establish outlandish laws. One of them includes fines for walking on the sidewalk. The mayor of the town said he likes this annual festival because the two sides can go around criticizing the whole town, who does what wrong, but it's all just for fun. Any proceeds from fines will go to charity. Britain's most famous clock tower is preparing to chime in the new year for the first time since the completion of a major facelift. But Londoners might notice a slight change. Part of its clock face is now painted with Prussian blue, its original 19th century color scheme. This iconic clock tower will soon celebrate a return to its Victorian splendor as it chimes in the new year. The clock tower recently underwent the biggest conservation in its history. Final parts of the scaffolding were removed in April, The building is a world-renowned symbol of the British capital, and its face has seen many important historical events. The tower is expected to reopen to visitors in 2023 with a fresh start, or even a new era for Big Ben. In the Chinese horoscope, 2023 marks the year of the rabbit. Neighboring Russians are embracing this tradition, sending bunnies as New Year gifts. Let's take a look. As New Year's
9: Eve approaches in Chelyabinsk, Employees at a pet store are noticing an unusually high demand for rabbits.
5: They buy rabbits actively for the new year. They are booked in advance. We already have a lot of bunnies booked. By New Year's Eve, they will be taken away, gifted to children and relatives as a symbol of the year of the rabbit.
9: According to Russian state media, demand for domestic rabbits went up tenfold in Moscow at year's end.
5: I came to see the rabbits. Now I'm looking at what they are how they look, what colors, and how much they cost. I'm looking for a gift for my son's classmate. His classmate made such a small order for himself.
9: But for the animals themselves, the huge demand isn't a blessing. A local zoo witnessed the aftermath of a similar bunny boom 12 years ago. In that rabbit year, people gave away their new pets in large numbers after the holidays.
5: After the year of the rabbit, the last time we had a rabbit boom here, they were given to us in some inhuman quantities, and we were very afraid that this would happen again, because we cannot accept an infinite number of animals.
9: Employees fear they will face the same problem this year.
5: In a small amount of cases, somewhere around 10%, when the animal settles in, everything is fine, but those 90% remain, when the animal is in the best case, re-gifted. And this is a lot of stress for the animal. And the more highly developed the animal, the more stress it is. A cat in general can fall into a real depression, while some just remain on the streets. And I can't imagine what can be more traumatic than death. The
9: Chinese Zodiac is a recurring 12-year cycle, representing animal signs and their attributes. It has been widely spread in Russia as an element of New Year's
0: marketing. New York's Times Square is testing out everything before the celebrations on New Year's Eve. On Thursday, it was time to test out the confetti. People joined the Master of Ceremonies on stage to throw the multicolored confetti out in a few trial runs. Times Square's New Year's Eve celebrations have been going for 119 years, with the first ball drop occurring in 1907. The New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square is among the biggest in the world, typically drawing about one million people, with millions more tuning in on television to watch the lighted ball atop one Times Square descend as the new year arrives. For most, the Christmas party is long past, but not for animals. A zoo in Berlin is serving up a crunchy Christmas tree as snacks for its tiger family. The Christmas tree was decorated with fruits and fresh pieces of meat. Both adult tigers and their cubs were excited about this late holiday treat. An official at the Tier Park Zoo said such a feast comes only once a year, and the tigers were both challenged and entertained by the way it's served. The zoo is proud of their successful breeding of the Sumatran tiger. The animal is classified as an endangered species. Only about 400 of them are left in their natural habitats. Tigers in the wild are usually solitary, but individuals can be different from each other. Here, the big family just gets along in perfect harmony. The male tiger originally came from San Francisco and was then moved to Berlin through a London breeding program. Still to come, 2022 marked a busy and exciting year for space exploration, and 2023 promises not to disappoint, with NASA and SpaceX executing a variety of missions. And we take a look at the most anticipated blockbusters of 2023, among them the long-awaited Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. 2022 was a busy year in space, and 2023 promises not to disappoint. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the upcoming missions into space.
3: In July, NASA's James Webb Space Telescope captured remarkable images of the universe. Scientists hope to get a glimpse of light from the first stars and galaxies that formed 13.7 billion years ago, just 100 million years after the Big Bang.
10: It was in middle of summer, 2022, when all these breathtaking, deep views, deep looks at the cosmos started coming back from the web. And compared to the Hubble Space Telescope pictures, which were good back in the day, these just offered so much more detail.
3: In late September, a spacecraft plowed into a small asteroid millions of miles away, changing its path.
10: That's part of a a big overriding plan to maybe one day save the Earth so that when an incoming asteroid, if and when it does head our way, Earth can at least send a spacecraft to deflect the asteroid's orbit.
3: Elon Musk's SpaceX plans to launch Starship atop a super heavy booster in 2023. It's the biggest and most powerful rocket ever built. Tech entrepreneur Jared Isaacsman is set to lead a crew of four space tourists. Polaris Dawn will be a three-day spaceflight orbiting Earth. The mission is expected to include the first-ever private spacewalk.
10: The big news is going to be when its starship finally launches from Texas atop the super-heavy booster. This is going to be one gigantic monster of a rocket, bigger even than NASA's moon rocket that just launched from here in November to send Orion to the moon.
3: Next September, NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft is expected to return samples back to Earth. In October 2020, NASA scooped up rubble from asteroid Bennu. It's NASA's first asteroid sample return mission. Bennu's carbon-rich material is believed to hold the preserved building blocks of our solar system. The samples could help scientists better understand how planets form. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Disney is honoring the Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee with their newest project. On Wednesday, Disney Plus announced plans to release an original documentary about Lee's life. The announcement came on what would have been Lee's 100th birthday. A 25-second video also teased the 2023 release of the film. The iconic comic book writer co-created some of Marvel's most popular characters, including Spider-Man, The Avengers, and X-Men. Lee went on to appear in the comics himself and make cameos in Marvel Studios films. Stan Lee died in 2018 at the age of 95. 2023 promises to be a big year for Hollywood blockbusters. The long-awaited Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible are set to go. Here are four of the most anticipated movies.
9: Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world.
0: Wow, uh, yay.
9: But there's one problem. There's a human, has a mustache, just
8: like you. Nintendo Games' The Super Mario Brothers is coming out in a movie version. Crossing the Mushroom Kingdom, Brooklyn plumber Mario is tasked with saving the world from a ruthless, fire-breathing Koopa and seeking out his brother, Luigi.
5: Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. Bull.
8: What awaits Mario and his two companions are obstacles resembling those in the game, but the stakes are higher. Yeah! Golden Globe winner Anya Taylor Joy and actor Chris Pratt teamed up to voice the classic characters. The screenplay was written by Matthew Fogel, author of Illumination's Minions, The Rise of Gru. The Super Mario Bros. movie is set to hit the big screen on April 7th. Christopher Nolan's 12th film Oppenheimer is coming out in July. The film is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning biographical novel American Prometheus. It details the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, widely known as the father of the atomic bomb, before and after World War II. They won't fear it.
2: Until they understand it. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice.
8: Nolan's frequent collaborator, Killian Murphy, plays Oppenheimer himself. The cast features Emily Brown, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, and Matt Damon.
6: I don't believe in magic,
9: but a few times in my life, I've seen things, things I can't explain, and I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe.
8: Fifteen years after its predecessor, the return of Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny is enough to make fans of the legendary story rejoice. And
3: I miss waking up every morning, wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps.
8: Perhaps not. The story features flashbacks to a young Indiana Jones in 1944. Harrison Ford still plays the lead role of Indy, with a great look under Disney's age-defying technology. The movie will kick off in theaters at the end of June. Tom Cruise is back for what could be the first of two final appearances as Agent Ethan Hunt. This iconic action movie has been an audience favorite for 25 years. The movie is still in post-production and the crew is quiet about where they will take the story. But there's a speculation that the seventh and eighth films will be Ethan Hunt's last. The first part will be released in July. The second is scheduled for the summer of 2024.
0: And before we sign off, this broadcast wraps up our coverage for 2022. As we head into a new year of reporting, all of us here at NTD News Today would like to thank you for watching. With your support, we're excited to start fresh in our efforts to inform, educate, and entertain, bringing you the latest global headlines and adding a dash of intrigue, joy, and even cuteness to your day. From our team to your home, we wish you and yours a safe and healthy new year. We can't wait to see you in 2023.